Hello, I am Megan Chapa, and you are listening to the Travel Agent Interview, and today is a family travel log special edition where we talk about where the fam has been since you've last heard about our traveling adventures. Today, I am privileged to have my daughter, Oriah Chapa, and my husband, Joe, on the program. Welcome, Oriah. Welcome, Joe. Hello. It's great to be back. Thanks for having us. Of course. Today we're going to talk about a special trip that we planned for both a school holiday break and also to celebrate Oriah's birthday. Oriah is now six years old. So the schools here have an interesting, it's almost year-round schooling, so it's an interesting schedule. There's a number of breaks built in as far as one-week breaks, that's half-term, and then there's some of these longer two and three week breaks. So we just had a half term break, but we weren't able to travel during the week. So we wanted to plan something to get out of town and something a little special for Oriah. And both of our kids love dinosaurs. So we thought the perfect thing would be a trip to the Jurassic Coast. Joey loves the animals. Oriah loves the fossils. She loves rocks of all kinds. Is this true? Yes. How many colors of rocks do you have? Can you just say them? What colors? Are they? Sure, say them. Purple, pink, turquoise, dark blue, um, green. If you could pick all the rocks clear. out of our driveway and bring them in the house and put them in your collection, would you? No. <laughs> well, unless I really like them. And what are you going to be when you grow up? Tell them. Um. I'm going to be, um, when I grow up, I'm going to be a paleontologist. Mm. So this, this trip was hopefully a good introduction to that young dream. Joe, would you like to tell us about the Jurassic Coast and possibly about getting there? Sure. Uh, the Jurassic Coast is, um, there's a few different websites that say a few different things, but it's something like 90 miles along the southern, uh, kind of the southern shore of England, but on the western half. Um, so I don't want to say Southwest England because it's it, it's all sort of that very southern edge. It's just on the western half of the country. Um, so there's a number of uh, sort of beach towns and resort towns along there, but it's called the Jurassic Coast because there have been so many um, fossil finds there, and so a lot of those happen on the beach. And what's really interesting about this to me, we've never done a trip like this, but you could imagine that there are some places they specifically mention caves and things where there's such a limited amount of resource there. There's only so many dinosaur bones buried in the earth. And so if you were as a regular person to go into one of these places and take a fossil out, it, it would be it would be a tragedy. They'd be really upset about that. But because it's on the beach, the ocean is always sort of taking rocks off the beach and throwing new rocks up on the beach. And so there's an infinite resource there. And if we don't go in and collect them and get those fossils off the beach, then the ocean's just going to take them back when the tide comes in. And so there's a really strong emphasis that they want you to go in and take these fossils off the beach uh, because you're sort of advancing um, the field and you're encouraging young kids to become paleontologists. And so it was a really kind of fun, interactive thing. It was, it was for, for, from my perspective, it was a lot better than just going to a museum and learning about dinosaurs. As for getting there, we uh, decided to uh, drive. Um, the drive from where we are in Oxford took us about three hours. Uh, and that's, uh, we didn't hit any big traffic. It, it was really pretty straightforward to get there. Um, but as I said, it's 90 miles of coastline. So we could have gone to a place that was a little closer. We just, we found one that met our needs in, uh, in Devon. Yeah, we planned it a little last minute. So the hotel selection was not great because it, it, it was a school holiday, but there are tons of bed and breakfast, breakfasts available. And also 
name brand hotels. And if you have specific needs or you have a specific number of beds that you want, um, you know, go with a known quantity such as a chain. We opted for a bed and breakfast. Um, but just to get back to the drive real quick, it was beautiful. There's sheep everywhere. You go on these rises and you go in these valleys and there's just farmland and then you can see the ocean in the distance. Did you like it, Araya? Yes. Yeah. Joe, how big were those roads you were driving in? There were some pretty tiny roads. I th- this was our first experience with um, not just single carriageway roads, which is really a two-lane road, but a, a two-direction road that's really only as wide as one lane. And so there are these little um, pull-off areas where it's very clear that that's a spot where one car can pull off so the other one can pass because you won't be able to pass each other on the normal parts of the road. And it's unclear to me whether those were designed and built or whether over time they those just became the spots where the cars have sort of eroded <laughs> mowed, the, the hedgerow. Yeah, mowed um, the bushes back. <laughs> yeah, so, so some of those places were a little nerve-wracking for me especially. I get um, uneasy when there's someone behind me who's an obvious local because I, I'm, I'm driving on those roads a little bit slower. And so, of course, they make me want to go faster and then... Uh, it can be a little startling when there's another car coming in your direction on the road. And they drive fast, really fast. Car. Like they're just very confident because they know these roads. We assume anyway, and they're but they're coming over a hill, and we are on the other side of the hill. So I'm like closing my eyes, like we're gonna die. Everything worked out fine, but it was it was nerve wracking. And we're from the Northeast, where we have smaller than average roads, but these are these they're are just, they're tiny. They're like they're deer tiny. paths that they put cars on. All right, so we talked to hotels a little bit. We stayed in the little town of Dawlish, which is D-A-W-L-I-S-H. And interestingly, that region, more Torque, I hope I'm saying that correctly, is uh, known for also being the home of Agatha Christie. So if you are into those kind of spooky things, it might be worth a visit there. We were also there during the Halloween season, but um, Halloween is just really not as, I don't like hyped up here. It's very low key. People put a lantern outside their house if they're going to participate. But other than that, it's not super, super spooky. over the top. Yeah, it's not spooky. It's not over the top. So I actually thought that there might be some events down there because of uh, the holiday, but we didn't really come across any. Um, so other interesting things that happen in Dawlish is it is the home of the black swan. I don't know if this is popular other places in uh, in England, but they happen to have some nesting pairs of black swans that aren't just, you know, gray. They're legitimately dark black. Black. Yep. With what color beak? Orange. Oh, I thought they were bright red, but they were very bright, very unique looking. And we'll put some of the pictures up on the on the website. Um, and it's just a good little town for having things in walking distance. So if the train comes into town there and there's parking at the train station and there's another parking lot up the hill, but typically people, I think, are taking a bus there. Um, and there is very frequent bus service and there's lots of things to walk to for, for kids. It's, it's good for kids. There's an arcade and you can walk to lots of little restaurants, but be prepared on Sunday. Things close early and you're going to have fish and chips. Yeah, depending on what part of, uh, I guess, the U.S. is your frame of reference, if you're from the U.S., it, it wasn't. It didn't remind me at all of the West Coast beach towns. It did remind me a little bit of beach towns in the Northeast. Yeah, I'm thinking of places like Hampton, Massachusetts, where the beaches are fairly thin. They're narrow. They're not. They're not these big, wide, sweeping, grassy, or, or rather, um, sandy beaches. Uh, but they're they're you know narrower. Um, the towns are smaller. 
Um, and this town in particular was was nice. It had everything we needed, but we were there off Three season days, yeah. on a on, and we stayed through Sunday nights. So at Sunday, everything shut down. I mean, there there was one or two places where we could have eaten got even gotten food to eat after six p.m. Um, which is fine. It worked out for us, but but it clearly is the kind of place that's much more um, much more uh, uh, much busier, much more crowded during the summer. Yeah. All right. Well, all right. Let's talk about the actual visits. What the, so there there were thin beaches, but the beaches were very different one from another as you go up the coast. And Joe mentioned that if you find a fossil, you may keep it. But that's true of some beaches. So you want to make sure that the beach that you go to, um, what the rules are, because some of the beaches you actually have to leave or turn in the fossil because they're still discovering so many new things. They want they want to know what's been found. So please um, follow the rules. And also they want you to have a specific type of rock hammer, which we did not have. So we didn't go to uh, the one beach I wanted to go to where you can actually chip the pebbles open and look for uh, different things. So maybe another trip we'll go. But, but um, sorry, you want to say something? Well, if you, if you are an enthusiast, um, there are sets of rules for what you can take home, and then there's a separate set of rules for whether you can hit it with a hammer. So there are some cliffs where you can bring a hammer, um, and you can you know chip away rocks from the or fossils from the from the cliffs and take them home. Then there's other places where you can bring a rock and go ahead, uh, bring a hammer and go ahead and try to find your your treasures, but you're not allowed to take them home, and you need to turn them when, in when you leave. So just take a look for both of those things. Yeah, and another thing of note is that they offer, in Lyme Regis specifically, there are fossil tours, and they tend to be when the tide goes out, which is in the afternoon, at least right now in the, in the you know, autumnal winter. It's in the late afternoon, so you can take those, but they're not available on Sundays, which is when we ended up, well, I guess we were there. Were we there on Sunday or Saturday? We were there on Saturday. So there weren't any. There either weren't any more available, or there weren't any on Saturday. Again, it's partly because the off season and the days are shorter. Um, but they were only scheduling them about once a week, and so we just didn't happen to get there on the right day. Yeah. So if you want to see some of the specimens and some of the sites where they're doing excavations, like formal excavations, you can take one of these tours, and they're supposed to be very good and well worth it. Uh, another option is to do a boat tour, which could be neat because it'll take you down the coastline. You can see the different places where you can uh, hunt for fossils by boat and get a you know a different perspective there. Um, but let's talk about what we actually found. What so the beach next to our hotel? Can you talk about that, Araya? What was the beach like? The beach was very sandy. Yep. Um, it had quite a lot of seaweed. A lot of seaweed. That's true. Um, um, and under some, um, seaweed, mom found a alive starfish. But he needed help. Yes, he was flipped over. It couldn't really breathe. Yeah, he was getting dried out, and his little legs were moving, and he had kind of maybe a broken leg. Not sure. It was bent. But what'd you do? Mom said... You may pick it up and throw it back into the water. So I um, picked it up and threw it back into the water. Yeah, he had to do it a couple of times because he kept getting washed back to us. So eventually he made it out to sea, <laughs> but he kept, he kept coming back. It's all right. Yes. He got helped. Yes. And then, so this beach was cool because this was, this was primarily a sand beach, and it was a very gentle slope. So in the summer, dollars would be really good if you had very young kids, like Joey is too. And we could let him pretty much roam freely without fear of him getting swept out to sea. Like, it was pretty calm. Uh, so that was really nice. But primarily what we were looking for on this beach was not actually fossils. It was 
Seashells. Seashells. And did you find a good variety? I found like 20 seashells or 10. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. like, <laughs> about 100. It's probably you, about 100. probably brought home about 100. We're going to have to pick the best ones and keep them because oh, you had yeah. some duplicates. But we did find some really neat seashells and they were in good shape. And um, there was also, I think the most interesting thing, which we didn't realize was was actually, you know, somewhat of a fossil that we were looking at, but um, not necessarily popular from this beach. They're popular on a beach called Budley. Or would you say Budley? I, I Budley? think it's Budley, but I don't know. Uh, it, it's a specific beach, but these pebbles, I we just kept saying to each other, these are the most unique rocks we've ever seen. And if you gathered up a handful of them, every single one would be different. They'd be every different color on the planet and striped and just polka dotted and just gorgeous pebbles. And it turns out they're from the Triassic period. Yeah, the thing we were noticing is a lot of pebbles would have just a stripe where you could see that one cross section was a different color, a really different color, like a dark blue rock with a with a stark white cross section right through the middle. And so at first we found them and thought, oh, this is really special. And then as we looked, they were everywhere. And some were 50-50 where you'd have half the rock um, in a dark color and then the other half, you know, stark white or off white or something like that. And, and so they, they were really very strange to us. And we didn't know until we got back and looked them up that they're um, they're named after this geologist named Budley who discovered them, and they're part of the cliff walls. So they fall off the cliffs into the ocean. The ocean, you know, does its thing, and then they they get spit out, looking all smooth and polished and um, and really pretty pretty special. So they are. I, at one point, I thought, well, we must have these where I'm from also, and I just never noticed. But that's not the case. They come from this particular collection of cliffs, and it has to do with, with the way the rocks developed. Um, so they are a unique part of this um, this part of the world. Um, to note, if you collect them from Budley, do not do that. They are protected. You have to leave them on the beach, and it is a two thousand dollar or sorry pound per pebble fine. So if you find them on a different beach, like we were in Dalish, I don't think there's any rules about that there. So if you want one of these fantastic pebbles, that might be the place to grab one, or just leave them and take pictures. Okay, Ryan, let's talk about the thing we went for. We went for fossils. We went to Lyme Regis, which is where the Jurassic Coast Museum is. This this is where you can find fossils. I think they're also just the people who really capitalized on the Jurassic Coast, uh, you know, industry that it is. Uh, but they've done a good job of it. There's a museum there where you can see some of the fossils that have been pulled out. But then the beach right there is, well, let's talk about that. You go, you go ahead. Talk about the beach. What does it look like compared to the one where our hotel was? Well... The rocky, well, the one that was near the fossil, that was near the um, museum, was really different prepared to the other one. Yep. The other one was really, really sandy, and this one was completely rocky. It had completely no sand. It was all completely rocky, but we did find, um, I found, well, Dad found one fossil, and I found three more. This is true. And we found some rocks. In the middle, there's some cracks. But in there, there's some shiny stuff. Yeah. Um, so we. this beach is much... The slope is a lot greater and the water is a lot rougher. So this is a place where you might want to watch your kids a little more. And the beach is not like... It's... I don't know, baseball size rocks or smaller, but but just about baseball size. And they're worn pretty smooth, 
but uh, the entire thing is rocky. And as you just sit there and turn over these rocks, you just, I mean, there's impressions of plants. And well, we think we've, we think that we've collected amphibian, possibly some plant impressions. And um, yeah, maybe that's what we got. Yeah, so we're not we're not pulling dinosaur bones out of the out of the beach, but um, but some of the rocks did have pretty clear impressions that you know something was present when the rock became a rock, uh, which is uh, is pretty cool. And the fact that our six year old could walk on the beach for an hour and a half or so and pull three of these things out of the out of the beach was was pretty amazing. I I, I did not think this trip was going to turn out that way, but uh, but it was really pretty special for her. Yeah, I. I I'm remembering also a time in our lives when my husband had the same expression, and that was when he thought, hey, I couldn't grow anything in a garden. But Yeah, he, pleasantly surprised. Pleasantly times. surprised. <laughs> All right, so we had some nice time on the beach. There were some dogs swimming, and then we got to go have, um, they had some locally made ice cream. There's lots of, ice cream tends to be very popular in this town. There was like three ice cream stores in a row, so we had some nice ice cream, and that was pretty much the trip. And we think we want to go back. We want to learn a little bit more about how to hunt fossils appropriately, get, you know, a nice, appropriate hammer. And um, there's there's a couple of sites you want to look at, jurassiccoast.org. And then if you just type in fossil hunting, there are some secondary sites that are actually run by, like, fossil hunting clubs that will give you some better tips. Can we talk about the trip home? Oh, yeah, we should talk about the trip home. This is a good little side trip. So because we left, uh, we left early in the morning and so it wasn't quite nap time yet, which means that my children were ready to strangle each other by the time we got home. So about halfway through, we were probably at the two hour point. So two hours into a three hour drive, I was just looking for some place to stop and, and get out of the car and let the kids stretch their legs a bit. So I followed one of the brown signs for, uh, off the highway for attractions yeah. and, uh, we ended up in Castle Combe is the name of this little town and I think we all had songs from Beauty and the Beast stuck in our head uh, the mm-hmm. whole time because I know that's France and this is England, but this place looked like the medieval period. I mean, it, it looked like it must have looked 500 years ago. Um, just just a really adorable little town. Am I am I the only one? No, who it, that? it was yeah. charming, and I, we did follow the signs thinking that we were going to find a castle. Truth be told, however, it was lovely, it, and the door. I mean, that you. Could, the the staggering difference was that I am five four and I was taller than half of the door frames we walked past to get up to what is St Andrew's Church Cathedral. Yeah, just a it's church, just the yeah. local church. Church of England Church. And then they had uh, the town the town pub was open, um, which was which is really nice and it's it just preserved very well. The church is open to the public, which I mean it really gives you an appreciation for how. The church attempted to tell story through picture with the way things are painted and carved. And there's a crusader, a knight who was a crusader, went through two crusades, buried there, and he's entombed there. And the story is just incredible in the stained glass. And our children were a little loud for the building, so we, wanting to be respectful, had to get out of the church kind of quickly. But, um, yeah, we went to this little town pub which scenes from War Horse were actually filmed there, which is a tearjerker. You know this before you're going to watch it, people. So just watch the trailer and then go to the town because it's a tearjerker. But um, there were some interesting things about the building itself. Joe, do you want to talk about the window? 
Yeah, there's a sort of a mythology um, was was hung on the wall so you could you could read it. But uh, we sat at a booth that was right next to this paned glass window, and in one of the panes, someone had had scratched the name Edmund in actually really nice script, considering that it was scratched into the glass. And the the story explained that he had been the proprietor of this establishment, and he got into a feud with the lord of the manor. So this is the wealthy person who lives in the big house, which is now a country club, and that person owned the entire village. And uh, and so because he got in this spat, the the lord of the manor prohibited him from running this inn any longer, and so he tried to curse the the inn by writing his name in the in the glass. Uh, at least that's how the story goes. But for us as newcomers and you know from somewhere else, it was sort of uh, what I took away from it was that in the medieval period, the lord of the manor, the wealthy person, the person who owns the houses that everyone lives in, has really tremendous power. Yeah, and, he's the boss. And, and you hope that that person is benevolent. And if not, it's going to go It's going to go really poorly yeah, for the people that live in the village. Bad. Um, and then the other historical takeaway that I, I noticed is that this church is um, is this beautiful old church and it looks like it looks like a museum it feels like a museum when you walk in but you know we went in to read about the old things and there's a there's a cemetery plot on the right right there on the property adjacent to the church which is also very old but if we take a, a couple of steps down there's a new plot that's um, obviously recently bought and there are uh, there are grave sites there that are, are still um, still don't have grass growing on them and so it's not a museum it's the local church it's just that this town's local church, um, is really old and looks like a, a medieval museum. And so the people of that town are still, this This is still uh, one of the centerpieces of their their local town um, society is, is this church. And that's something that I don't think we experience very often um, in the U.S. In the U.S. where we have 200, 300-year-old churches, they're, they're more or less museums. Yeah, it was just, well, it was a good experience and nice place to stretch your legs. You're not going to be able to find parking very well, so prepare to park down a side lane and then walk. There's also a lovely creek that runs through it if you and with with benches to sit at, so that's a nice thing to do on a spring day. And they had really good hot chocolate. That's for the kids, really good hot chocolate. Oh, and Oray has one thing to say. Go ahead, babe. The creek was it, it was about kind of deep. There was a big, big ledge, and it was really deep down. Was it scary? Is that why you noticed it was deep? Well, it wasn't that scary, but it was a little bit deep. It like, was probably a six or eight foot drop to the creek without any railing or anything. Yeah, like if you want to go take a step, like a normal creek, you'd probably fall and break a leg off. It's possible. <laughs> yep. <laughs> We did keep Joey away from that last night. Yeah. Well, that is going to conclude it, unless anybody has anything else to say about our little family adventure. It definitely looked like, like, even though it wasn't like friends, it definitely looked like where they acted. What, Beauty and the Beast? Yeah. I thought so. Yep. Okay, listen. My third largest... Town. My third largest audience is the UK. I'm sorry that we keep comparing your country to France. Because I know you guys have a thing and all. But anyway. All right. Well, that's going to do it for today's uh, family travel log, which my husband thinks reminds him of the Flintstone mobile when I say that. But for this family travel diary to Devon to see the Jurassic Coast, this is Megan. Oriah. And Joe saying 
Good night. Good night. I don't think. <laughs>